you know, I feel like God has tasked me with this work. And so I have, I have uncomfortably and reluctantly made the commitment to stay in it um, and to keep fighting because, you know, I, ultimately I want a better life for my kids. I don't want my kids to have to walk around with the same questions that I do. And I don't want your kids to have to walk around with the questions, no offense, but the question that you just asked, because mm -hmm. if they can, if they can feel comfortable knowing where they stand, then it makes life more comfortable for everybody. You're listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. Chris and Jana are parents of three, life and business partners who share their personal development techniques so you can grow yourself and grow your marriage. Chris and Jana here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is episode 49. You just, oh my gosh, you just I took my part. I, I am screwing so far up right now. This is <laughs> so <bad>. far up. <laughs> okay, first off, we just did this intro and we said, okay, guys, here's episode 49. And what happened, John? We, Chris didn't hit record. <laughs> so here we We're are. We're just messing it all up. But here we are. We're just going to keep this. Yeah, keep it. But for real, this is episode 49, which means we're almost to 50, which means really nothing except for I've been counting down to 50 because that sounds like a good number. Kind of how we'd count it down to 27. 27. Remember? 27, you become a real podcaster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, now we're like almost double that. Yes. Anyways, so on today's episode, we... You're going to take my part now. Now I'm going to take... Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. On today's episode, this is not a lot of matter, we interviewed a friend, a former friend, co-worker of mine, Cameron Satterwhite, on his take on racial equality and the things that are happening in our world right now. Yeah, so Cam runs a clothing company called Blue Bear, and it stands for Building Lives Undivided. And I think, guys, at this point in time, I got to be honest, usually usually people who have somewhat of a platform turn, and turn, I wouldn't say turn a blind eye, but basically what we do is we don't voice our opinions because we're worried about the pushback. Well, when... With everything that's been happening with the social unrest and all of those things, I think it's important that we talk about this. And John and I somewhat feel like we stumbled through this one a little bit, but we just really hope that you understand that our intentions for doing this episode and, and stumbling through this conversation is to hopefully bring a new perspective, push for change and, and push for change. I don't even know that I want to say bring a new perspective just because I feel like personally I didn't listen as much. And so the perspective I brought was different and new, uh, but it's not like I'm trying to push that agenda. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think, I do think I wish I would have listened more during this episode. I'd like to have Cam back so we can talk about things more. Uh, but overall, again, we just ask that you guys would trust that our intentions for doing this are pure uh, because we are also blue, which is building lives undivided. Uh, John and I both agree with what, what is happening is terrible, uh, but we get raw, we get real like usual. And this conversation with Cam was uh, something that was tough for us. Yeah. And I feel like every white person says this, but it's not that we've never had a race conversation before because we do have black friends and other race so it's not that we've never had a conversation with the opposite race, but because emotions are so heightened right now, and if you're listening to this in current time, there's a lot of racial injustice and and 
um, there's rioting and there's protests and there's a lot going on right now. Um, if you're not listening to us during that time, I, you probably can figure that out. But right. anyways, my point being, we've never talked about it on our platform before with somebody of the opposite race, knowing that it's going to be critiqued because people are oh, yeah. hurt right oh, now. Yeah. And so that's my point in this intro, again, stumbling and rambling through <laughs> just like we do this whole episode. It's only uncomfortable because we don't want our intent to be taken wrong. We, we just want to come off offensive, right? No, but, but some things that are brought up in this episode are things that I feel like most people wouldn't say, like maybe, maybe I say some things that most people wouldn't say, but I'm just being honest because I feel like honesty is the best way that we can, you know, at, at least see see each other's perspective, each, each other's sides, the way the way we, we have grown up and, and yeah. been conditioned and all those things. And honestly, at the end of the day, we can't change our perspective if we're not honest about where we have come from. You yeah, know? Definitely. So So that's what's up, guys. I feel like yes, again, we just rambled and stumbled a little bit, but the good news is I hit record. So without news. further ado, guys, enjoy episode 49 with Cameron Satterwhite. Cameron Satterwhite, welcome to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast, man. Hey, it's great to be here, guys. I'm really excited, really looking forward to it. I know you guys are doing some great work, so I'm honored to be a part of it. Oh, well, thanks, Cam. Actually, you're doing some great work, and that's part of the reason why we are having you on the show today. Um, just to give our listeners a little backstory, Cam and I used to work together back in the day feels like forever ago now yeah tell me about it. those are those are the good old days the, you know when i was a kid i didn't realize that all grown-ups said the good old days i thought that was such an old person thing to say and right. i say well, you know, can you tell people where you work because everyone's like oh that's so cool oh yeah i guess it doesn't matter right yeah we both we worked for the cincinnati reds for the community fund actually yeah, that was actually, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to have a presence with Major League Baseball in the community. Um, that was, I mean, it was fun. It was a great, great group of coworkers, including you, Jonna. And then it was just like, man, you know, I can't do this forever, unfortunately, but it was a blast. <laughs> I echo that. Once we had kids, because Cam also has three kids like like us, um, we were like, this just, it's a little too... Not, I mean, ever not for everybody. There's plenty of parents who work in, in that industry, but for us, I'm just missing the spousal perks over here. Yeah, Chris is missing getting to go to games. Man, well, when there all was those games, over. all those cheap tickets. Yeah, you sound like my wife. She reminds me every year that I don't work for the Reds anymore. So. It's terrible, all man. The, right, all the fun events we used to go to. I mean, we did get hooked up with some pretty cool experiences because Absolutely. of that job. Absolutely. Pretty and not to work. Yes, and not to put you on the spot, but Cam also used to play in the Reds like system. That. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was now cool. that was really back in the day, right? Yeah, that was way back in the day. Like I think I had hair at that point, so you yeah. know, really time has caught up to me. <laughs> well, I think kids do that, but right? Yeah, I'll, I'll, three, I'll ask. we both have three three kids, right? Absolutely, I do. Yeah. Uh, a daughter and two sons. So just had my youngest. Uh, he is 10 months now. So uh, we are a full house of five and, and rambunctious and, uh, you know, off the walls, just like I'm sure your home is. Oh, buddy. 100%. Nailed you know, it. when you told me the other day that you had three kids, I was like, when did I miss something? Because I thought you just had your two. 
So yeah. congratulations. I'm sorry I missed that. No, you're good. I appreciate it. I try sometimes I try not to be the be the dad to put a bunch of photos up, but recently I've been kind of putting more photos up. So um, you know, I'm I'm definitely proud of my crew and yeah. happy. Just, you know, I took a, a social media hiatus for a bit. Yeah. Well, we don't we don't blame you, man. We yeah, yeah things are things are a little crazy right now and Part of the reason we have you on the show here today is because you have an amazing organization uh, called Blueberry. Yeah. Blueberry, right? Blueberry. Blue Blue you said Blueberry. I'm sorry. I, I, I meant to say Blue Bear. Yes, Blue Bear. But yeah, man, talk to us about Blue Bear and your initiative. Yeah. So what Blueberry is, is basically a clothing line with a message of building life undivided. Um, and, and really focusing on racial equality. Um, you know, I started the clothing line. It's been a little bit over a year now. And, um, you know, the, the, the big thing is, you know, for a while we struggle with identity and struggle with where we were. Um, and as time kind of progressed, it just became evident that, you know, this is what we need to do. I was, I was, I was literally, you know, I was, <laughs> I was in a shower one day. Um, and all, you know, all great thoughts come in the shower, it, man. No, no judgment. <laughs> it's something about being naked in water. I don't know what right? it is, but you know, <laughs> and I just, I just was, I was in the shower and I felt like I heard, I heard God speak to me and say that, you know, as I was trying to really identify what this was about, um, that the BLU stood for building life undivided. And I was like, there it is. You know, I was like, well, God, why wouldn't I just change the name to blue? And, you know, part of the reason why is because if it's just blue and it's really blunt and direct, then the message comes across as too harsh. Um, and so I never wanted the message to come across as harsh uh, or as extremely direct. Um, much of the reason why I'm also not a protester, um, just because I don't, that's not my space. Um, what I want to do is I want to use my brand to build racial equality and to make it a stylish thing, uh, make it faddish and make people comfortable talking about the subjects and topics of race. I love that. So what is the actual bear B A I R E? What does yeah. that part represent? Does it mean anything specifically? Not at all. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's just so part of it was when we first started, we actually had a mascot um, and the mascot the was, bear. It was the actual blue bear. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm a bit embarrassed to say, but I guess it's a part of our story um, that part of the reason why the bear came into play was so that we could have a name that was direct to the brand on Instagram. So okay. um, blue was taken. Uh, blue bear spelled the proper way was taken. So I was like, all right, man, let me get creative here and come up with something that because, you know, all all great brands have a social media presence um, and right. the, the great ones link directly back to the name of their brand. And so I, I played around, played around, played around, and then it finally just landed. Um, and so I was like, well, there it is. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make it we'll make it fun. We'll add some things to it and, and we'll go from there. I love it. So wait, you're saying the the mascot, your blue bear, he's not a part of it anymore? No. So even that's a story in and of itself. But, you know, basically we um, I eliminated the the bear um, 
not because I didn't enjoy it, but because I think the subject matter that we're talking about is a little bit more serious. And I think when we had the bear in play and it was more front facing of the brand, people really didn't capture the essence of what the brand was about. Um, it seemed a little bit hoiky and a little bit jokey and childish, um, you know, to see a guy running around with a blue bear uh, head on. Um, and it was interesting because we actually went downtown Cincinnati with it, um, with the thought of, OK, we're going to we're going to bring the community together. We're going to, you know, rally around. We're going to have kids around us. We're going to have adults asking questions, things like that. Um, and it was cool because it knocked off the racial discomfort immediately. Mm-hmm. Um but kids were just all over us. Like I could, we couldn't even take pictures because kids were everywhere. All right. All right. So it was cool though. It was good. It was good. Good man. Good. Well, so so speaking of serious, we have we have some serious things to to discuss today. There there's a lot going on in our world right now, and me and John just felt like usually this is something where, quite honestly. If you are an entrepreneur or you have a brand or any type of influence, for the most part, you want to remain pretty silent, right? You want to, yeah, not neutral, but neutral or what? So I know when when all of all of this stuff started coming out, I know that our initial thought was like, okay, uh, let's not comment on any of this stuff. Sure, we can support through threads and stuff, but let's not put any like particular statuses out. But then I think we both come to the agreement that. Nothing is changing. Nothing is changing. And so for that reason, building someone on with bringing someone on with an organization like yours, building life undivided is going to be perfect. Um, and did you have something to say? What? Well, I was going to say it after you said, but yeah, okay. let's just rewind a little bit because somebody might be listening to this. Not while hopefully not while everything is so heated. So right now there's riots, there's protests, there's a lot going on in our world. There's a lot going on in our world. 2020 is like, Absolutely. I mean, we're all ready for 2021. Oh my gosh. Really? Yes. And so if you are listening to this and you haven't heard of George Floyd and all of that, um, I guess you would. You've been living under a rock. You've been li- <laughs> living under a rock. But yeah, like Chris said, there's, we, it's an uncomfortable thing as a white couple to speak out about when we don't know what to say, you mm-hmm. know? So it's, it's, we felt the past week, we took a week of media silence. We did the blackout thing. So we could just listen and try to understand better because it, it is uncomfortable because I feel like a lot of people, we've seen a lot of other creators either get just reamed for speaking out mm-hmm. or reamed for being silent. And so we haven't really known where to go with it, but we are not happy with what's going on. And we right. really felt called again, like you said earlier, just we felt like God just implanted it in both of our brains. Like, Hey, you have a platform and you have the ability to speak about this. And so here we are, we might stumble through our words. We might stumble through the conversation and it, and, but I think it's so important to use our voices and what God's given us here to try to help in any way we can. I mean, yeah, so absolutely. I guess that's the the stumbling way of saying this is why yeah. this conversation yeah. is so important. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, first, let me just say thank you guys for being uh, bold enough to step out and talk about it, because um, to your point, it is extremely uncomfortable. Um, you know, it's uncomfortable for me as a, as a black man. 
um, because I'm often seen as, you know, the the the, sh- the strong left side of what's going on. And, and, and you guys being a, a white couple having interest in this really is is pleasing to my heart. I really appreciate it. So um, just again, thank you for having me on. Thank you for having a conversation. Um, I think that in this period of time, it is race is race relations are they are they're becoming better. And I think and the way that I continue to speak to my circle of friends is, you know, right now, the time is very uh, ripe for conversations. And, you know, I, I, I continue to tell my friend, I was actually, I was talking to my wife the other day and she has a, a Caucasian friend who was asking questions and she was like, you know, I'm going to be transparent here. Uh, my wife is black also, but she said, I, I can't believe that she had these questions. Like, wouldn't these just be common sense things? And I said to her, I said, you know, I said, you have to, you have to understand that she's asking you these questions because she doesn't know. And she's not, she's never lived a day in your shoes. So she has no idea what you or I go through on a day-to-day basis. I said, to be honest with you, as a black man, as you know, what appears to be, you know, unfortunately the number one target in America right now, I am so pleased and my heart is so thankful that she's asking you these questions because she could be asking them to people who give her answers that could change her direction. You have an opportunity to help shape the life of this young lady and make life better for me and for our two sons and for yourself and for our daughter. You know, it's like and and that's something that you can't take lightly. You can't you can't look at her asking you questions as an inconvenience or anything of the sort, because, again, you don't know, you know, and, and that's the tough part. So, you know. With 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 Blue Bear, the the whole intent was to be able to create something that would start that dialogue. Um, you know, if you if you see my social media, I always use the hashtag I'm Blue Two, um, B L U, which means obviously I'm building life undivided too, and it's a it's a a stake in the ground to say, you know, hey, listen, I am about racial equality. That's what I stand for. Um, and you know, it's been encouraging to see people who don't look like me use that hashtag because it lets you know right now where they stand. Um, and I've, I was talking to my partner about this yesterday. It's been encouraging to see it just come up more and more and more and on more and more posts because people are right now, again, very sensitive to the issue and, you know, Fast forward to even, you know, what I do on my YouTube channel with Get Off the Fence, people are getting off the fence. They're making decisions. When you look at these rallies and these protests that are going on, it's not just black faces there. It's all types of people there. There are a lot of Caucasian people who are in support. And, you know, one situation or several situations I've heard where even, you know, white people are saying, get behind me. So if they shoot, I take the hit first. Now, that to me, that just speaks to how ripe the ripe it is for the conversations and ripe it is to make some change in this space of of racial equality. Wow. So I think something that's important to realize that this is brought up for us is some people don't even know 
didn't even know that they were on the fence, I think, until this conversation started. Um, before before we started recording, I was telling Chris, one of your very best friends is white. Mm-hmm. And don't don't your kids call him Uncle Chris? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is not only is he white and he's my best friend, but he's also, you know, he's all three of my kids' godfather. That's, um, okay, that's what I thought, wow. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he's he's somebody that is just, for me, he so on my on my YouTube channel, we talked about this um, and and I think it was our second episode, but he stood up for me in this in a time we were sitting in Reading. A guy came out, you know, or, and he basically called me out my name several times. Um, and if you know, Chris, he's a very soft spoken, relaxed kind of guy. He literally just jumped out of character like he turned into like like a, a, he was a, he was a, a a wolf like he was a lone wolf just jumped all over these guys and was just pissed um and so on the on our youtube channel i asked him i said dude why did you do that like what made you do that and basically he was just like you know it wasn't right it wasn't right like you're my friend and what they were doing wasn't right and that's what that's what really that's what we really need in order to make real change you know, to your point, a lot of people are on the fence. They just kind of sit there and they're like, well, you know, when, when when something bad happens, it happens. And then we turn the page. Um, you know, my wife keeps saying, what's going to happen in two months? Where are we going to be at? Right now, the, the world is so sensitive to race, but where are we going to be at in two months? Are we really going to have made progress? Um, but then you also have people who are like, listen, this is just who I am. And this is what I do. And I've made a decision that I'm not allowing this to happen, not on my watch. And to me, he is one. He is that guy. He literally is that guy. That's why he's my my best friend, because I know he cares about me for me. I know he has my back. You know, they'd say a godfather takes the place of, of the father. If something should happen. That's the type of person that I would want to raise my kids if I'm not around, because he literally, you know, it's not about color. It's about people. And, you know, he loves the, he loves my kids, but I know for a fact that he, he, he loves me as a brother and as a friend. Um, and that's, that's something that I can't put a price tag on. That's awesome, man. That is, that is really awesome. We, we also have, so one of my best friends, uh, our kids also call him uncle and he's one of my teammates from college. He's a black guy. And I mean, like you said, we, we don't see color. We don't see color in this instance at all. We are, we are just buddies. We, we jive and he loves our family and we love them. And it, I mean, let me ask you this, man, like as we get a little bit heavier into, in, in, into some of this stuff, because at this point I feel like, again, we're, we're trying to stumble through this, but I think what's important is to bring everything to the forefront. So right now, as we are listening and we're like, okay, came out, I'll tell you right now, man, usually my reaction, and I'll just be totally honest with you, sure. to some of these things that happen are, okay, well, there must have been something else behind the story. There must have been there must have been resisting arrest. There must have been this. There must have been that, right? Usually my reaction to some of these things are, okay, the media is blowing this out of proportion. Uh, people aren't paying attention. Usually my reaction is, okay, hey, let's talk about statistics and, and um, all these things, right? But now, dude, I, I'm in a place where I'm like, you know what? Screw it. That hasn't worked, right? I can't get anyone to see my side until I listen. And ultimately, I'm done trying to get people to see my side. I just want to listen. And I want to know. And John wants to know 
you know, what, what we can do. And so from this perspective, I want to know from, from a black man living in America, you know, what, what is it like? Talk to me and Jana as people who maybe don't experience what you experience on a regular basis. What is it like to be a black man in America right now? Oh man, it is in full transparency. It's very uncomfortable. Um, especially with the things that are going on now, because as obviously, you know, being a black man, I'm in the minority. And as I, you know, I go to Walmart, I go to Target, I go to, you know, pick up some food. Um, you don't know when you interact with white people, you don't know what side of the fence they're on. You don't know if they're for you or if they're against you. Um, and it's, it's uncomfortable. Um, to be honest, you know, I, 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 I haven't even had the heart yet to talk to my kids about it because I don't want my kids to live in fear. Um, I don't want them to be scared every time I go out to the store or every time I leave my home. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's hard. Um, and it's hard because again, I mean, you just don't know where people stand. Um, you know, if, if everybody in this world was like you guys, then it, it wouldn't be as fearful. I wouldn't be as fearful. Um, you know, but then, you know, and again, to insert the brand, that's part of the reason why I made the brand is because you don't know. Um, and you won't know. I mean, how would I, if I didn't know you guys and I was walking past you on the street, how would I know that you guys are about racial equality? How would I know that you care about me as a black man enough to give me just some respect and not turn me into a hashtag? Um, and so that's the reality, I think, of where we are. Um, People don't know. So, you know, what I think the best thing is for for you guys to do, I think, is to really just have conversations, be outspoken. I was talking to a circle of friends about this the other day, and, you know, they were like, well, does that mean I need to go to a protest? And I, do I need to do this? Do I need to do this? No, it doesn't mean that. What it means is, you know, for me is, is impacting your circle of friends. Um, you know, if you have somebody who is, let's say you have 99% white friends and 1% black friends. That's fine. Cause you have 99% of the people who you can impact. And then that 1%, you can also let them know where you stand. So you can impact a hundred percent of your population that you interact with. And it's a, it's a snowball effect because as you start to impact one life, it goes and they will impact another life and so on and so forth. And that's the only way that we're really going to be able to make some change. So, you know, for me, again, it's just, it's, it's very uncomfortable, but, you know, I feel like God has tasked me with this work. And so I have, I have uncomfortably and reluctantly made the commitment to stay in it um, and to keep fighting because, you know, I, ultimately I want a better life for my kids. I don't want my kids to have to walk around with the same questions that I do. And I don't want your kids to have to walk around with the questions, no offense, but the question that you just asked. Because mm -hmm. if they can, if they can feel comfortable knowing where they stand, then it makes life more comfortable for everybody. I think that oh, it's, it's so hard not to 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 want to tiptoe around things because it is. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Like even listening, I'm. So first of all, Chris is always just the one who just says what's Black. on his mind, <laughs> and I'm always just like, well, how about we say it this way? And so. I'm like, my mind is just at this point. It doesn't matter. Though. Well, like, because your heart, you understand our intentions. That's yeah, what absolutely. I always, absolutely. and that's what we always try to talk about. If you know somebody's intentions, then you know that 
even if they say something that's offensive, it's not, they didn't mean to like, I grew up in Reading. You talked about Reading earlier and I'm so sure. sorry that people from my town, which I don't always claim <laughs> talk to you that way, but you know that Reading, at least whenever Chris and I went to school, not my Chris, but your Chris mm-hmm. went to school there was predominantly white. Right. And so I think that that builds a lot of, a lot of our perspective because that's who you're around. So the people, I mean, it's sad that I went to school with people like that, but I'm not surprised and it and it breaks my heart. I want to say that I I I just feel like everything that you say is wrong. Um I want to say You're that fine, I don't babe. see color either, but I've seen a lot of people say that's BS. Mm. Everybody like God wants us to see color. So I'm just like the the intention with people saying, Oh, I'm colorblind is good, but mm-hmm. that's also wrong. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean- it's it well that's that's a weird one because um my wife again my wife and I had a conversation about this the other day she has she is a lot more i would say a lot more pro black than I am and I don't think that that's an issue cuz I also know her heart she's not racist but she is very proud of who she is and I think that's where I think when people say they don't see color to her and to the point of the conversations that you've had it's kind of alarming because she wants to she wants people to acknowledge the fact that she is black. She acknowledges the fact that she is black, but it doesn't mean that it has to separate us. It doesn't mean that it has to cause a rift between between us um, just because we are a different color skin tone. Um, you know, and it's it's weird. So I'll give you I'll give you a little story. Um, my my daughter is now eight. And we, I remember, and and this is this is why we think it's important to talk about race and to acknowledge it. Um, but we gave her some dolls, and my mom, my mom bought her a doll that was black, and she, I think, I think at the time she was like three, um, and so she she bought her a, a black doll, and then she already had some white dolls here at the house, so she was playing with the dolls, and my wife always noticed that the black doll was always in the corner of the room, but she was always playing with the white doll. And so she asked her one day, she said, why, why aren't you playing with that doll? And she's like, Oh, well, that doll's just not as pretty as this one. And so, you know, as a, as a black parent, that, that killed me because the only reason the, the dolls looked exactly the same. I think they're both made by Barbie. Right. So, you know, but there are, there are, there are cultural differences, even in the, in the creation of Barbies. Um, you know, the black Barbies tend to have wider hips. They tend to have bigger lips, bigger noses. And so it's, it's, it's a cultural thing. So to her, that meant that it wasn't pretty. And so, you know, I, we struggled with that for a long time because I'm like, I'm raising a daughter who's not proud of the way she looks. And so we, really just took the time to continue to have those conversations with her and say, listen, you are black. You are beautiful. This is, this is the skin that God created you in. It is beautiful. It doesn't mean that other people are not beautiful. It doesn't mean other people are dirty or ugly or whatever. It just means that you are beautiful. That's it. And so it's taken time. I mean, now she's eight and she accepts that she understands that and she embraces that, but it's taken a long time to get there. Um, a lot more than I think I ever thought would, would be a reality. So, you know, I think it's important to at least acknowledge the colors 
of our skin because that that does differentiate us, but it's not important to allow those to separate us. That's something that I don't think we would have thought about the difference in the the color of the baby dolls and stuff. Actually, Lola, this is just a side note. Lola, our five year old, um, when she was like what two, we're at Target and she just started yelling about she was picking out a toy. She wanted the black baby doll, and Uncle James always joked with us that she likes black boys, and we just better be ready for that. Which is something that we don't even, you know. I know interracial couples are that's still somehow still raises eyebrows for some people, but right. that's not. I don't know. We just thought it was hilarious because from the time she was little, he was like, "Yep, yep." Awesome. So. So let's talk about this real quick, man. Uh, I feel like we are we inherit or we experience everything we believe. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to talk about the difference between racism and profiling. Okay, first I want to ask you what is the difference between a racist and then someone who is profiling. So I think uh, to be honest with you, I'm not really sure there is a difference between those two. Um, I think that, you know, I've, I've experienced both. Um, I think, you know, the person who's, uh, I'll take that back. Maybe there is a difference. The person that's racist, I think is very comfortable in saying I'm racist. Like, what are you doing here? You're not, you're not welcome here. The person that's profiling is the person that should be there to either protect you, to keep you safe, to make things better. Right. And then they immediately, they should, they, they immediately turn into an antagonist um, because of the color of your skin. And, you know, that, that, that profiling is very uncomfortable. I've, I've had that happen as well. Um, it is so uncomfortable. You're talking police profiling, right? Yeah. 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 I had a, you know, quick story. I'll try to make it as quick as possible. But when I was in college, um, I basically, I got pulled over, um, and the officer came up to the window. It was myself, Josh Harrison, who now is playing with the Philadelphia Phillies, oh, yeah. um, and my brother in the back seat. And he said, um, he pulled me over. We were driving on campus at UC. We played baseball there. And he said, um, where are you, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I said, listen, sir. I said, I'm literally just going up to the stadium. Like we're going to hit. He's like, well, I need to see your license and registration. I said, well, what did I do wrong? And he said, I'm asking the questions here. Just give me your information. I said, okay, I'm sorry. So I gave him all my information, um, you know, did everything that I needed to do. And as I'm doing that, my brother, like, is like stark scared in the back seat, And I kind of like peek over. There's another officer in the back with the, with his light in the wind, in the window. And then he's like, um, the officer comes back, hands me my information. And I said, officer, can I just ask why I'm being pulled over? And he said, your, your tags are expired. And I said, well, I said, that's not true. Um, because the, at the time the car was in my dad's name, I said, today's May 22nd. My dad's birthday is May 23rd, which means that they don't expire to the end of the day tomorrow. And I said, my parents live in Westchester and I'm going to school here. I play on the baseball team and my dad's getting me tags as we speak, or well, he'll have them here tomorrow. I said, I'll be in hundred percent compliance. And I said, so I'm not sure why you're pulling me over. And he's like, just handed me my information. He's like, just have a good day. Be safe. Hmm. I was like, okay. 
Uh, but I just there was an instance where we felt like we were profiled, and I'm like, man, these are the people that we pay the, our tax dollars go to protect and serve us, but yet these are the same people that are poaching me. You know, they're they're calling me out because I'm, you know, I have tags that expire in a day. Yeah, man. It, it, well, you know, and when I hear a story like that, like my my automatic thought before all of this happened is like, well, I've I've had cops run a power trip on me too, all this different stuff, right? But but I do know that that stuff does happen, and I do know talking to talking to several of my black friends they're like hey look man i can't go through these neighborhoods without without getting stopped or or whatever and what they have that joke like dwb driving while black or whatever Mm -hmm. and and everybody talks about it and i have seen that firsthand um and like also when it comes to officers i think i saw uh was it was it chris rock he said something the other day like like police officers is one place you can't have any bad apples. Mm. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I totally agree because like you said, they're here to protect and serve all of us. Uh-huh. And if there are racist police officers, uh, obviously that causes some major, major drama and people don't feel as safe. Um, right. When it comes to a profiling perspective, I want to, I want to be fully transparent with you and mm-hmm. explain to you, like, like I said, we inherit and we experience everything we believe. Mm-hmm. So I actually grew up in Dayton, um, in a pretty bad neighborhood in Dayton called Five Oaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was one, one of the worst places in, uh, in Dayton. And, uh, I remember our little block, we had our little block where we were close to everybody on the block. It was white, black, Mexican, all that. Um, but there was a gate and apparently the gate was put there because they were drive by shootings prior to that. Mm. Um, and we had a really, really rough, surrounding neighborhood uh and so here's what it was man it wasn't hey um hate black people it was hey pretty much everybody on the outside of this neighborhood they're really rough white and black right and they'll hurt you (laughs) okay and uh and me and my brother had to be careful we were basketball players and stuff we we had to be careful about playing basketball with the black kids because if we beat them they would get frustrated with us and like get really emotional uh, and like want to fight us. Mm -hmm. And basically what it was, was there were gangs on the outside, um, small, small groups of gangs on the outside. And so as a kid, and I'll just be totally honest with you, growing up from the time of, you know, a baby all the way till 13 years old when I left that neighborhood and actually moved to Centerville, which is a total polar opposite place. (laughs) Right. Um, I believed that, okay, if my bike's getting stolen, it was the black kid because we actually caught them stealing my bike. Right. It was, it was, um, there was an instance where we were playing street football and these kids walked by these like gang, gang member guys, they walk right through our game, you know, just like walking all slow fist clinch, all that stuff. And, and my friend was like, Hey man, hurry up. And they're like, what'd you say? And they pulled a gun out and they held to his head. And I just remember, I'll never forget that moment. Right. And so basically I had all this evidence as a kid built up for me. Black people are going to hurt you. Mm. Um, And dang, black people are really emotional. And I know that's like super, super vulnerable to say, but this is what I was conditioned to. Now I go to Centerville, which is a predominantly white place. Mm -hmm. And then their view of black people were, okay. um, Black people think that everything was handed to us, Mm. um, which a lot of them it was, but some of them 
it wasn't right? Right, right and then i go to college and as i kind of work my way through playing basketball and like having 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 teammates and stuff i realize there's enough evidence in my brain built to say black people are not emotional and out to hurt me or anything like that black people um they're just like me they're 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 amazing people what it was man when i look back it was impoverished people it was white it was black it was mexican it didn't matter right. impoverished people were the ones that wanted to hurt me Right. And so right. when I talk about profiling, I, me and John were talking about this. And to be honest with you, if racism is profiling, then I was a racist. Mm. Now, let me say this really quick. Mm. To be honest with you, because of what I've experienced, because of the synapses that my brain created with associations of anybody walking down the street with a cig in their ear, sag pants, clinched fists, white or black, mm -hmm. they were going to hurt me. Right. And so the neighborhood I'm in now. You better believe, buddy, if anybody walks down my street, white, black, Mexican, doesn't matter, oh. with a cig in their ear, a wife beater, sag pants, uh -huh. clenched fists, I'm going to shield my kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I can't blame you for that. First, let me apologize to you, man, for your experiences. I mean, it's good to get experiences, but it's yeah. for me, I hate I hate the fact that um, that we have those experiences, right? Because again, to your point, they immediately shape who we are. And, you know, I think that it, it stems back to the, the saying that none of us are born racist, right? None of us are born to hate. It just is something that's learned. Um, you know, I, there is, it, the crazy part is, is I, I grew up in Westchester. And so I had the complete opposite experience of you um, where, you know, I didn't, I I did not experience racism until I was like seven years old and somebody called me on my name, a friend of mine. Right. And, you know, I think one of those things, uh, the, the difference is, is when that happened to me, because I, I, my parents, so uh, peel back a little bit, but my parents moved us to Westchester specifically with the intentions of allowing my brother and I to grow up with a, with a diverse experience. They, they both grew up in predominantly black neighborhoods and they didn't want that for us. They wanted us to have fresh perspective, new perspective to, to see people for people and not for color. And so the first time that I was called out my name or let's just be let's just I'm going to make it I'll be very difficult and, and, and blunt. First time I was called a nigger was when I was seven and it was by somebody who I thought was my friend. And so. You know, the thing that was different for me is it did not shape my my perception of white people um, because I, I knew I said, OK, that's one isolated case. That's one person. Right. I also mm -hmm. have these three other friends who are white, who are cool. Like these are my guys. They always look out for me. I'm always hanging out with them. We're having a good time. Right. And so I think it's important to to look at it as not and to your point, I mean, that's what oftentimes people do. They see one case and they allow that one case to cover the entire group of people. And it's yep. a travesty because for those black people that you interacted with that were that were racist, that put a gun to your friend's head, that were completely inappropriate. You also have people like myself and, you know, my brother and my friends and people that I know who wouldn't who would never do that to you. Right. They would never even think about it. They would say, yo. Chris is cool. Like, this is my guy. I'm hanging with him because he's my friend, you know, not, they don't want anything from you. They don't need anything from you. And so that experience, it sucks, but it, the biggest piece of information I guess that I have is, is just, you know, our experience, everybody has experiences, 
but those experiences don't have to shape what you look at or shape your view on life. You know, those are experiences. Um, you know, John and I worked with the Reds. That was an experience. It doesn't mean that everything that I do afterwards is going to go that way. And so I think it's important to just know that, to be sensitive to that and to, to realize like, Hey, listen, that's one person. That's one mm-hmm. person. And the another piece of that, which we could go on for days about is, you know, you don't know their backstory. Um, yeah. You don't know their interactions, right? I mean, right. maybe they are the way that they are because they were met by the KKK and, you know, it right. now shaped their view completely about white people. Right. So, I mean, it just, you just don't know people's backstory. And so I think it's important to just give people that clean slate and say, Hey man, mm-hmm. it's not about you. It's about me. Mm-hmm. And why I use the hashtag I'm blue too. It's not about you. It's about me. And, mm-hmm. and I think if, as long as we can take that approach and even for you, like where you stand, where are you at? What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. That was important. Cause that's what's mm-hmm. going to shape your, your lifetime moving forward. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And the reason I bring that up is because when we look at just human beings in general, I kind of feel like I can't blame anybody mm-hmm. for looking at like, okay, so on Facebook, me and John look like a rich white people or a rich white couple that like literally just grew up in, you know, perfect neighborhoods and went through college and had this like very clean, straight edge life. But the reality is not even close, sure. right? Sure. And so, and so I can't blame someone who's in the inner city white, black, Mexican, doesn't matter. Looking at us and being like, oh, everything was handed to you, okay? Because of the association that was created for them, right? Like I said, when we are, when we believe things, it's because we either inherit them or we experience them. So that was an experience of mine. Mm -hmm. And then my parents say, hey, watch out, be careful, right? But then, like I said, you build the evidence to say, wait a second, there there are enough amazing black people that are incredibly, incredibly classy and wonderful friends and all this stuff that that then you have enough evidence to say otherwise, okay? So now I want to ask you about this. And this is something that I have such a difficult time with. It's I feel like when we wake up in the morning, man, the media wants white people to wake up angry because they just portrayed every inner city kid as someone who wants to loot and destroy and all this stuff. And then they want the black people to wake up and be ready to defend it. Mm. Um, And I feel like there's so many people that are in agreement with what happened to George Floyd is terrible. Mm-hmm. What happens on a regular basis through police brutality is terrible, is terribly sad. But I feel like the media, man, their biggest goal is to divide us. Mm-hmm. And so is this a conversation about associations that the media creates to fuel this fire? Or is there actual a ton, actually a ton of racism going on where people are totally in disagreement? You know, I think that's a good question. So I think I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think the media, I think they do a. a I, mean, I I think in the past the media has been a very strong proponent of this. Uh, I think they in the past have done a piss poor job of 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 really um, collecting the information and then regurgitating the information the same way that they took it in. However, if you if you look and and I've kind of paid attention a little bit to the media as of late, you know, black people are the ones that get tagged for the looting and for all the rioting and everything that's going on. Right. 
and white people are actually the ones doing it. It is. It is. <laughs> and that's the craziest part about it. I mean, I was, watching one, I was watching one session that they had, if you want to call it a session, where, you know, black folks are running in there and looting from like a Target or something. And then yeah. they go in, but like eight white people come out. And I'm like, this is not a black. This is this is a, a hard issue. This is a hard right. issue. This is not a people right. issue, right? And so it's it's the same thing, you know. The the media they they capture, but the problem is, I think the 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 images that we play in our heads and our own heads, like we immediately see black people as being, you know, the 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 negative person. I mean, you think about in a lot of movies, a lot of cartoons, right? The 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 bad guy sometimes is black, right? So we're we're instilling this into kids at a very young age and knowing that, right, they just they see this information and they see the black people that come up. They don't see those six white people carrying, you know, bikes and and cash registers and all this other stuff. They just see the right. Yeah. Like it's just the black people. I mean, if you've seen some of the footage, they show, you know, a lot. I saw one one video in particular where white people were throwing rocks and stuff in the in the store windows and a couple black protesters yanked them and pulled them away like no yep. we're not we're not damaging property mm-hmm. we're here mm-hmm. to make a peaceful protest we're not here to throw rocks through buildings but that's the stuff that people have to see they have to acknowledge mm-hmm. they have to understand and they have to also understand that you know these black people are they they want they want change they don't want to destruct things um, there was a march downtown a couple days ago. It was black black men and women and children in suits. In mm-hmm. suits. It. And the Love only it. reason why they did that is because they didn't want to be seen as yeah. hoodlums, hood rats, gangsters, yeah. thugs, etc. Right? They're trying to make a valid point. And so, you know, the media does play a big part in this. I do, I do think, unfortunately, as much as we watch um, and as much as we tune in, it does shape our perspective, but I think we have to look through that. I think we have to really focus on what is what it is that we're looking at, because if you if you really pay attention, especially now, you're seeing that it, it's not a people person, a people problem, or it's mm-hmm. not it's not a race problem. It's a people problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, so you want to say something? Yeah, I'd like to dive in. Well, you, 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 you just did been... not tap me and let me know before that yeah, until he stopped. So <laughs> there's that. I just no. I mean, I'm hearing. I'm hearing what you're saying, and I just wonder what what the heck we, do we do because I feel very strongly against what's happening, and I want like I know this is going to sound so lame because I am just emotional. Anyways, I've been emotional, and I've been at the store, and I've been awkwardly smiling at all the black people I see and like wanting to hug them. Like I want to just be like, Hey, like I, I, I'm on your side too. Like I, we're people. And like, so, but obviously I can't just like be this weird pregnant white chick walking around hugging everybody. So what am I supposed to do? How do yes, we open conversation like this and it's uncomfortable. Don't believe what the media is showing us. And, but like, I also know that and correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't just roll up into a black neighborhood and automatically be accepted or not looked at also like, wait, what are you, what are you doing here? You right. know what I mean? Right. right. So I, how do, how do we, what yeah. do we do? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the time, like even now makes a lot of that worse. I think, so to answer your question, I think the best thing to do is to just be you. Like, I think, it, I think it's very simple and it's very, 
um, it's very basic. I mean, if you if you are on the other side of the fence, these these couple examples that I'm going to give you, they they would make sense. You might not see them as making sense, but like walking down the street, if you see a black person, just smile at them, say hi, how you doing? I mean, that's literally all you have to do because, you know, there's so many times when I walk down the street and I see Caucasian or white women, white men, and they immediately either put their head down, look away from me, cross the street. They do something because they feel so uncomfortable. And I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. Like, I haven't, what have I done to make you feel uncomfortable? I mean, you know, if you got to run down my stats, my dad owns a, a Fortune 100 company. My dad drives a Porsche Panamera. My parents have money. They live in a nice home. Um, I was I went to private high school. I went to Moeller. Like, do I have to go down my checklist of credentials just so you feel comfortable around me? Like, I haven't done anything. So, you know, just give me the benefit of the doubt and just say hi. Right? I mean, I, the the worst is when I say hi to them because I want to reciprocate what you're talking about, and then they don't respond to me. So I'm like, wow, okay. You know, right. and I think it's something, it's so simple. I mean, saying hi to people, um, asking people how their day was, right? I mean, with, with Blue Bear, we, for a little while, was putting up these challenges where I would challenge people, say, hey, say hi to five people of a different race today. Yeah, That's it, right? And then you that. do, you know, if you, if you feel compelled, take a picture with one of them and put it up and hashtag on Blue too, right? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring the 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 racial equality and, and and bring it together, separate this divide. It's it's just very very simple stuff um, that I think whenever you feel uncomfortable, you should try to do something in it, right? Um, because I think everybody right now is very sensitive to what's going on. You know, I think that uh, black people, if we go up and we try to hug, I think it, they, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Hey, you trying to jump on me? What's going on? But I think, you know, hey man, what's going on? Um, you know, how you doing today? Um, you know, there was a, I was at, I was at Bob Evans the other day. There was a, a white man there trying to pay for his food with a gift card. It didn't go through once. It didn't go through twice. And in my mind, I made if it doesn't go through this third time, I'm just going to pay for his meal. Period. Because I think that will help him to get a different perspective of a black man. Right. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, it went through and he left. So I didn't get a chance to do that. I wish unfortunately, I unfortunately, <laughs> right. like save me a little bit. Yeah, you know, that- I, I love that. I love that. And I think that those are super simple things that that we can obviously adapt. I, I do always just give like a goofy smile. But also I'm like, are are you looking at me like I'm like mean or evil or racist. Like I want, like I almost feel like I just need to wear your shirts all the time. Like, no, look, I'm blue too. too. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Let me ask this. All right. So, so I'm kind of like the deep guy, right? I like to like, I exhaust people. I'm not going to lie because I like to get to the root of issues. Okay. I will be 100% honest with you. Okay. (laughs) I believe racism takes place in America. I believe there's police brutality. Mm-hmm. I believe there's profiling when it is totally unnecessary. I believe this stuff happened. But I also believe, Cam, in my heart of hearts, that that we can do what we can to take care of our family, to educate our kids, to read books, to do this stuff, and to influence our circle. But I, but I, I know two things that there's tons of evidence for so far. Mm-hmm. One is everyone in my circle 
they're not in my circle if they're a racist and they're not in my circle if they if they believe what happened to George Floyd or any of these any of these other men was right. Women. Okay. Men and women, right? That is one, right? I put up a stash the other day. I said the media wants to divide us mm-hmm. and let us think that we're all against each other. But the reality is out of the two thousand plus friends I have on Facebook, every single person, give or take one that slid through is a racist. And if I find a racist, I'm, I'm going to, is not a racist. <laughs> I'm going to delete them, right? Yeah. Really important, important uh, details there. Anyway, so that's number one. I think we surround ourselves with who we are. I also told John, I said, now the news feeds of the people who were looting and destroying last night, white, black, whatever, their news feeds are full of people who are looting and destroying. We all surround ourselves with with the people that we we Have are. Similar, yes, right. Okay. Values, morals. So that's thoughts, number one, beliefs. right? That is what I firmly believe. Okay, it's just natural. Now, number two, man, is this. Like I said, we can educate. We we can do all these things, but I really do believe the media has a narrative to divide us. This stuff does happen. It absolutely does. But the media has a narrative to divide us it shouldn't be refreshing cam that a white couple is saying we are with you mm-hmm. i think there are a ton of freaking white couples that are with you mm-hmm. and behind you and standing with you and saying we are all humans and this is madness mm-hmm. but what is so frustrating man is that the media has such an influence and people could say oh chris you're acting like it doesn't happen i'm, I'm telling you it happens but the media has such an incredible influence and so dude i really feel like the rioting and all that stuff should be tearing down these media outlets mm-hmm. and and boycotting media mm-hmm. because the more you watch this stuff, like for instance, dude, there's so many pictures going around. I've been saving on my phone mm-hmm. to put a whole huge thing on social media. There are pictures of, I don't know if you saw this one, I, it might've been in Cincinnati where there was like a SWAT officer that got separated from his, from his oh, crew, yep. right? And there's black men all black men, big black men that you'd profile and think would want to beat up a cop, mm-hmm. right? That are locking arms and actually standing in front of this officer from being hurt. Like right. that's the stuff that's really freaking happening. Mm-hmm. There are police officers that are kneeling all across the country mm-hmm. to say like, we are with you. We are sorry for some of the people that have been bad apples in our departments mm-hmm. across the country. Right. I just think there's so much happening that the media is not showing and it pisses me off. Yeah. And so what do we really do if if our main source of information is completely trying to be divisive because they know once we are all together people are going to stop watching yeah i think that's a good question so i think i think one i think it's change your change your media platforms um you know i think that to your point there are they're they're trying to create division they're trying to create corruption but I think those I think that's outliers. I think there are some that are trying to do that. I don't think that that's all. Um, and I say that because the examples that you talked about, I saw on social media, I saw on on the news. Um, I think that there are groups that, you know, they only want to give you information to get you pissed off. Right. Um, and I think that it's working for some people, to your point, because that's what they watch. That's their choice. But I think, again, you know, if I'm a. I don't know if I'm a if I'm a MSNBC guy, maybe I should switch to CNN and just get a different perspective. Like just change, change, the change what you're watching. Watch a watch a plethora of, of shows or of media outlets, if that's your choice to get information, because, at the, again, I think the information that, that is being put out, it, it's not false. It's just biased. 
And so you got to get different biases in there, right? right. You got to right. get a bias of, again, if you don't watch the news channels that I watch, you would never see those black men covering for this white officer, right? You just wouldn't see it. I mean, the media outlets that I choose to watch, I don't, I, I hate talking politics, so I don't want to talk politics. Right. Um, so, you know, but, uh, you know, maybe they're one way and, and some are the other. I, I just think it, it's a variety of stuff out there. And to your point, there are people out there trying to catch the good stories and what's going on. Um, most people may not know. So I'll just say it for the sake of, of the podcast about the the black um, media crew that was arrested. I think it was in Minnesota. They were arrested with with credentials. But there was white men on their crew and there was black men on the crew and only the black men were arrested. Right. With credentials. So now I think they're going back and they're, you know, this is a this is a bigger deal. Right. So, I mean, again, it just depends on, I think, where you're watching, where you're gathering your information and what media outlets you're you're really paying attention to and locking in on Um, because they are giving. I think if you watch a bunch of them, you can get some pretty good perspective. Um, uh, but they're, uh, to your point, they're going to be biased. They are, um, they're going to cater to their viewers and, and they're going to try to give information that they think their viewers want to hear to support their positions. Mm-hmm. Oh no, you're the one that's all fired up about Sorry, this. I, d- <laughs> I, I, I wanted to bring that to the forefront just because I feel like as I research and I look into this stuff, like, yes, this stuff is happening, dude, this is happening and this is wrong. Mm-hmm. This is dead wrong. But like you said, I, my only argument back with you is, is human psychology is we are hooked to fear, right? We are hooked to fear. The only reason people were watching the coronavirus deaths, like a sports ticker is because of fear mongering. Right. It's frustrating to see the media take advantage of that. And I think all of the major platforms to, this is just my belief, all of the major platforms know people will keep watching if there is fear. Mm-hmm. And so I have not seen a single CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, anybody. I have not seen a single person put up a story that said, oh, people are coming together, even though people are coming together. And so my thing is I can educate my kids. I can read books. I can figure this stuff out. But the thing is, man, my whole circle, the the vast majority of them agree that all of this is wrong and all of this needs to stop. So I... I don't know that you have the answer. I don't know how that I have the answer, but I feel like it's more than just, it's more than just um, impacting one person at a time. And it's like, we all need to freaking freak out on where we're getting our sources here and then understand. Well, I think the only reason, and the only thing that I would challenge you on, I I love the fact that you have a different perspective. I think I would challenge you on the fact that, um, you know, they talk about the peaceful protests that are going on now, right? The problem is, is that there are people who are friends with people who are protesting, who have no idea why they're protesting and have mm-hmm. no intentions of changing regardless as to the, whether they protest or not, right? Mm-hmm. But if I, if you and I are friends and you and I can have a casual conversation, I can give you perspective. I can give you some thoughts. I can give you some yeah. things to chew on. Plus, I'm black, you're white, and you know me, 
Right. So you're like, I'm like, listen, man, there's more people like me. Let me tell you about the people who are protesting and why they're protesting. Let me tell you what's going on. Let me talk about George Floyd and why this is an injustice. Let me talk about Breonna Taylor and why that's an injustice. Let me talk about these things and give you some perspective. Right. And then after we have those conversations, you're like, you know what? I see what he's saying. He's right. Like, I I don't I've had these views and I've kind of been teetering, but I, I get it. And the, and the biggest reason why I feel that way with working with one person at a time, one is whenever whenever somebody has a mass crusade, a mass result, it's always viewed as negative, right? Mm-hmm. The, that that protest here in Cincinnati where everybody wore suits. Amazing. They, I mean, yeah, it, it was a big deal, but they wore suits because they don't want people to look at them like they are, mm-hmm. they are hoods, they're thugs, they're gangsters, right? And most of the people there were men. And I'm talking... They were dressed to the nines. They had on three-piece suits with ties and fresh haircuts and all of this stuff. Sunday best status. That's it. Just so that they could change the narrative. And even that, some people still don't get it. I didn't well, see it though, Cam. Well, oh, no, no, no. Well, here, sure. to, Absolutely. To be fair, Chris, we don't I believe we don't happened. watch the news all the time. We don't sit and watch the news and, and change well, no, news. No, 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 no. We we don't we don't watch the news. So there's enough. stuff, there's definitely stuff that we are missing. We yeah. see and social media, just like with what you're saying, social media, yeah. you're no matter how great the movement is, no matter how touching or heartfelt somebody's post is there's going to be people that can pick it apart and turn it into something negative just like i'm already thinking about like when chris is talking i'm like oh i can already see like what people are gonna gonna say about this i don't care at all like this conversation is about change man that's it this is about change and and if you can understand that i believe that there are a lot of people that are for the black community a lot more than people think Mm -hmm. and it is a pure result of i believe the media is being divisive people can think i'm crazy if they want that's that's what i believe and right. i i don't have a narrative to push i want to fix the problem right i, I want to fix I the problem it. i get it man well and I, and I love it i really love i love the passion i mean i think you and i have very similar passions um and so i i, I love the passion i think that you know when you have passion to you guys point there's going to be people that disagree but that's not what that's not what you need to that's not what you need to focus on. You got to focus on how do you continue to push the narrative? How do you continue to do what it is that you're doing? Because there are people who are paying attention to what you guys are saying. They're listening. They get their own perspectives, but they're listening. They're right. attentive. And that's your circle of influence. That's the yeah. those are the people who you get a chance to impact the most. I mean, right. you know, on the on the flip side of even the, the story that I talked about. That I had a I have a friend in my circle of friends who's just like you, who's like, man, I think we need to, you know, actually, let me let me take a step back. He was a little bit way, he was a lot a bit further, right? Mm-hmm. He grew up in Michigan. He's the only black or only white person in the community. No, let me take the back. He grew up in Michigan. He it was all white. He had one black friend in the community. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And mm-hmm. his one black friend took him to his grandfather's house. The grandfather called him. He said, I'm not going to call you by your real name. I'm going to call you Schultz. So he started calling him a different name, right? And he's like, we've been, I've been working with him and talking to him for months now. We've been talking about this race stuff. And I told him about some of the stories that I've had. And he, he took, honestly, to my face, he's like, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. He now mm. just took his kids over to a peaceful protest at Indian Hill. 
because he mm-hmm. now not only does he believe the things that I say, but the conversations that we've had have really set on him. They all planted the seeds and now he's out making change. He's the one that is very outspoken about mm-hmm. equality, racial equality. This dude yeah. literally made a 180 and it comes yeah. from the conversations that we've had. Right? I want to be super clear. I totally believe I believe all this is taking place and I believe it is happening at a at a rate and a level that is totally ridiculous, inappropriate, sad, maddening. Mm, all of that. Absolutely. I my my thing and I've already made my point here is that the media sometimes blows things out of proportion. Not not that things have been blown out of, out of proportion like things that have happened. Did George Floyd die? Did he die a terrible death by a totally prideful, very likely super racist cop? Yeah, absolutely. Now, the only thing I'm frustrated with is I didn't see those. Like, there are more, I guarantee there are more peaceful protests going on than than um, looting and rioting. I yep. guarantee it to the point where the media is sometimes taking pictures of, I think they take a picture of a movie. Mm. They, they used a screenshot of a movie where like fire was coming out of the city and stuff like that. And someone dinged them for it. And they're like, right. that's a movie. Right. You know what I mean? So, right. so again, the fear mongering. Now I want to also say the person who's listening. And if you have any thoughts like this, Oh, Chris is making excuses. This isn't happening. This isn't happening a lot. This isn't happening a lot. The media is blowing out of proportion. I want to know. <laughs> For if it is happening, uh, if it is happening at all, mm. at all, it is wrong. Mm. So, so my our whole reason for being on here is like, how do we solve this problem and get the message out mm. and and support and support and support? Right. Because there is no excuse for any of this. Mm-hmm. It's just when we when we go back to the profiling and the associations with everything. I think the problem is. Um, many Gen X white people, I believe many Gen X white people have been associated, have associated um, and profiled black people wrongly. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And and even though the evidence has been built, they've been doing it for years. Right. right? And so that stuff is still happening. People are being profiled. I am just wondering how we solve this problems outside of just our family. Sure. Sure. I mean, like I said, man, I think I think what you guys are doing is great. I think it's really the conversations. It really is. Um, because uh, people need to know your heart. They need to know where you are. Um, hence, you know, I'll grab another sub, uh, subsidiary of my business, but the, the get off the fence movement that I'm, that I'm move that I'm doing is I'm really trying to get people off the fence and, and to have those real conversations. I mean, you know, this is a real conversation. This is a conversation that is very uncomfortable, but I applaud you guys for having it because this this says we are getting off the fence. We are we are willing to have the conversation and ask the uncomfortable questions. Um, I don't have all the answers, but what I do have is perspective and I have some thoughts and I have some feelings. And by me and, and you guys providing me the platform to even get those out and you guys using the platform to get those feelings out, your feelings out. It helps. Um, and I think that's all that we can continue to do, man. Like, you know, your this this podcast is you know, it, it's going to speak to if even if it just speaks to one person, it's worth it, you know, because that one person might save two lives, one life, right? Might save my life. We don't know. And and so it's important to just continue to dialogue and just be transparent about where you are. And you guys are doing that. That, that ripple effect, I believe, is is huge that you're talking about just if we influence our children and then they influence their friends and it goes on and on and hopefully creates a 
much different looking situation <laughs> down the road. Um, so, oh gosh, I'm losing my train of thought. So racial equality, what does that actually look like? What is like, I know that's a loaded question, but when you're, when you're really thinking of what you're fighting for, mm. what is it, what does it actually look like? I think, I think to me, it racial equality in my mind um, looks like a day when my kids can go outside, specifically my sons can go outside and they don't have to be in fear for their lives because of the color of their skin. When they know that the, the people next to them and behind them and in front of them are their allies, regardless of what race they are, regardless of the, what gender they are, they know that they're their allies and that they want the best for them the same way that their dad does, the same way that their mom does. Um, that's when this, that's, that's ultimately, I think, what racial equality looks like. Um, and that's, that's what I want. You know, like I said, when I started, when I started Blue Bear, I really started it with the mind frame of, you know, I'm doing this not for me, but for my kids. Cause unfortunately I don't think I'm going to see it in my lifetime. If I live to be a hundred years old, I still don't think that I'm going to see it. Now I could be wrong. There's a, I have a lot of, uh, my, my grandma, she's, she's in her eighties. She never thought that she would see a black president until Barack Obama came in. And I remember seeing her in tears because she said, I never thought that I would see this. So it, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. But what it does mean for me is that I'm going to continue to fight until I see that definition of racial equality step up and, and, and be at the forefront of our world. Um, because I want, I, I want that for my sons. I don't want, I don't ever want to be, I don't want to be a hashtag, but I definitely don't want my sons to be a hashtag. So sure. that's the goal. So I have a vulnerable question. What then? So the conversation, we know that having this conversation, getting the elephant out of the room, having, having open, vulnerable discussions between different races. So what, what needs to change? I feel like, I feel like there is a lot of, that there's a responsibility too, to the elders in the black community to, you know, gosh, why I don't want to just dance around my words here. Just talk. Yeah, I know. Work. I just, I don't I know. I did. We're already going to lose listeners. Just go ahead. <laughs> like, okay. This is such a rap music talking about F the police and all these things. And, mm -hmm. and I know a lot of times because of how people are raised, mm -hmm. they're te there are a lot of children being taught that white people are bad mm -hmm. and evil and against not to get you them. and against you. Mm -hmm. And so is there, is there a change in that rhetoric as well to kind of, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just am. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, no, no. I think that I think that the responsibility is on black people just as much as it is white people. Right. I mean, we could be part of the problem or part of the solution as well. I mean, you know, I, and that's that's one thing that I think people miss and in, in, missing all of the stuff that's going on, because I think it's very easy to be like, oh, well, you know, the white people in the police brutality, the white people, this and the white people. that. Like, hold on. Hold on a second here. You know, you have a responsibility in this, too. I have I have family who is racist and they are very I wear this hat. I get this hat with the word racist and a line through it. And I wear this around my family. I wear this out. And I've seen people in my family get uncomfortable when I have this hat on. I Unfortunately, like I don't I can't forget about the past. I can't forget about the things that have happened, but they don't have to shape my future. They don't have to be the future of the way that things go for me. 
And that's just a choice that I've made. And it's it 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 has to happen on all sides in order for something to really change. Um, you know, I I have, you know, the elder folks in my family, they know exactly what I'm doing and they know why I'm doing it. You know, and, and I said, listen, this is what I'm doing. If you don't agree, that's fine. Just don't talk to me because I'm doing this. Right. Like that's I want something better for my kids. I want something better than what you guys had when you grew up. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a problem on all sides. It's not it's not focused or isolated on on white people. Um, you know, it is a problem everywhere. And everybody has to change the narrative, change their mentality. That's why I love seeing white people are white brothers and sisters at these at these protests because it's like yo you we are in support we're with yeah. you, but you can't do this on your own we, yeah. you need us but we need you too let's let's do this together i love it i love that i love that i'm like again i just want to go hug everybody <laughs> i love it i so <sighs> what what i don't know i just Sorry, our daughter came in. I don't know if you saw her. She yeah, came she in. Was, she was trying to say. She was being very patient. She's trying to ask questions. She, she's usually relentless. She's very, very get some some cartoons going or something. Love. I know. I'm like. She's watch, like, let, watch something. Let me ask this question. Um, and this could be a separate podcast, but so do you feel like? Um, and a friend of mine brought this up the other day, and I'd never thought of it. And I was like, man, this could be a great question. Do you feel like post-slavery, the indoctrination of black people into society was was is why we're in the spot we are in now because they didn't do it right? You just went all the uh, way. I, yeah, no, I'm, good. I'm trying to poke every elephant in the room right now, I man. Love it. Seriously. No, yeah. I, I think that that's part of it. Um my, I was talking to talking to my dad, um, and we were and I've talked to my wife and I talked to people around me. So imagine this is the best narrative that I can give or the best thought is, you know, black people were starting to, you know, we were becoming a part of the population. This has been less than what a hundred years ago. So, I mean, we haven't really been brought into the conversation for a long time. Um, but basically what you're looking at is you're looking at a game of monopoly where we'll say, we'll say you two versus me, you two have been around the board about five or six times. You've bought up all the property. You got all the money. Right. They give you a thousand dollars to start. You you go and you just make your money. Right. Now I'm brought in today and I get that same thousand dollars. But the expectation is for me to go up there and really be successful. Mm-hmm. That's that's the narrative I think that we're looking at. Um, it's it, it's anybody coming into a game of Monopoly after somebody's been playing for years and has bought everything on the board. Good luck. There's no way you're going to win. And unfortunately, that's the way that it is because of everything that's taken place between the black and the white cultures for years. Um, You know, we can't escape the fact that we were slaves first. And and then, you know, we finally became a part of regular mainstream society. So we're still playing catch up. Right. We still are trying to get a lot of the things that you guys have, the white counterparts have. Right. Mm-hmm. We're trying mm-hmm. to get there. And it's it's a slow movement, but it was slow for you guys, too. You guys just got a head start. And so it's it's unfortunate, but that's where we are. Um, and I think it's a, it's it's important. You know, we just want to be a part of the team. We want to be able to be successful just like you know, everybody else is. And, and, you know, we're, we're behind, but I think we're going to, we're going to catch up. We're going to keep working. We're going to keep building. And as we build equality, 
um, you know, I think that we can do that. I think the big thing is the reception of it. I think people have to receive, which means in order for somebody to gain power, unfortunately, somebody probably is going to have to lose a little bit of power. And I think mm. that that's the biggest fear um, that people have right now, um, because it's not, you know, black people are not incompetent. Um, we're not, you know, we're not clumsy and we don't all just spend money on jewelry, tattoos and rims for our cars. You know, some of us, a lot of us really pay attention to what we're doing and we really want something better. So, you know, I think it's important just to note that. Dude, that's, that's an awesome announcement. Yeah, that, that I love perspective it. Yeah. was yeah. really eye-opening because obviously we yeah, well, never looked at white it privilege to a white person usually and here I go again white white privilege to a white person is like oh well they think everything was handed to me but what you just said makes absolute sense i i have said recently i don't believe white privilege is what i've uh, accomplished it is where is where i started mm. and you're exactly right mm-hmm. uh based on that monopoly analogy you're exactly right right you are exactly right it is it is easier to like, well, we have a head start. We're in a race, right? Mm-hmm. White people are naturally have a head start. Now, um, let me ask you: Do you, do you think a, a a white person in an impoverished neighborhood, in the exact same socioeconomic status as all the other minorities, do you think they still have a head start? I don't know if I would say a head. So I think I think regardless. I think that because of the racial differences, I think mm-hmm. as a race, I think everyone, I think, I think Caucasian people, white people have gotten a head start. So I, I would have to say in that particular situation, I'd have to say yes, because mm-hmm. of however their ancestry line was, right? How, whatever things were before them, they had an opportunity to do something different. Maybe, uh, you know, situations and circumstances have netted them to be where they are, but nonetheless they had the opportunity to be in a different position um you know there's there's people that make they don't always make the best decisions right i mean it doesn't matter what race you are we don't all make the greatest decisions so it impacts our outcomes um period so i think that that would that would be more of that but you know again i i think the big thing from a racial standpoint is that we do acknowledge that there was a head start um, for years. I mean, think about it. We'll, we'll talk white, black, black people were working for white people. We were slaves for white people. We were making white people money when we were getting pennies on the dollar, if that, right. So we didn't get those things. Um, but we were helping you guys get them. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it, it sucks to say it that way. Cause it makes it a little bit more personal, but it's just the truth, you know, my answer. It's the truth, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it, it's tough, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's how I would, how I would approach that one. The thing I, and now I'm going to be vulnerable. The thing I always struggle with, with that is that um, it breaks my heart, obviously, but like, I'm always like, I didn't pick this skin either. You know, I didn't, I didn't choose how I was born and I would never have done, I would never hurt somebody the way I guess my ancestors who I don't even want to claim have, you know? So like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around, around that situation. I see a lot of white people right now apologizing and and I, on behalf of our race and, and I totally get that. But I always go back to like, man, God made me like this too. Like I, I'm not, I'm not 
Mikey, I'm not evil. I well, I don't think you honestly, I don't think you should apologize. You know what I mean? Because the same way that God made you white, God made me black, right? Right. And it just it all that means is that we're different. It doesn't mean right. that, you know, you're better than me or I'm better. It just means we're different. And right. unfortunately, I think that's the that's the that's the missing piece in all of this is that we didn't get a chance. I remember I was telling my wife, we didn't get a chance to choose who we were. I can guarantee you if God asked me, do you want to be white and successful or black and struggle? I'm pretty sure I would say I would want to be white too. Right. Cause I don't want to struggle. I want to be successful just like everybody else. I don't want to be, I don't want to be scared when the police pull me over. Right. So, but I didn't get that choice. God chose this for me and I'm proud of who I am. But it doesn't it, that that's not a reason to 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 your point. Like you shouldn't feel like, oh well, I'm white and it's it's not a reason to separate. We're just different. We're just different, right? And God made us the way He wanted us to be. So God didn't make mistakes. If you believe that, then you can't you can't be you can't have any racist feelings, right? Yeah, <laughs> man. Absolutely. What do you think about so We've heard the term reparations, right? Mm-hmm. And white people are like, huh? Right? Mm-hmm. And black people are like, yeah, reparations. So not all of n- either side. N- exactly. I am I'm totally generalizing I'm in the most extreme way there. Okay. <laughs> but um, so we not we, my goodness, people in general have created tons of different programs and opportunities and all these things for the black community and and minority communities in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um is there enough of that um, or is, well, so is that a form of reparation, right? Um, and is that something that just needs to be completely and utterly amplified um, in order to make up for that? Sure. Our uh, past ancestors, if you will. Yeah, no, I think that that's a heavy question. Um, I think they all are from me, man. I, I love it. I love it. No, I think, I mean, so I'll, I'll give you my personal opinion and I I just want to say it's my personal opinion for the record. I think that, I think that the reparations piece gets, brings such a negative connotation to it that I don't think that that's ever going to really happen. Right. I've seen, um, you know, I know it's the, the whole 40 acres and a mule mentality. I don't think that that's ever going to happen. I think what, uh, I, I think what, could happen and what should happen is we should level the playing field, right? African-Americans tend to make substantially less than their white counterparts financially, right? That allowing me as a, as an educated African-American man who has, I have a bachelor's and a master's degree to, to go in and, and make money that's equivalent to my white counterpart. Well, I think that's the form of reparations that we probably could look into that could be feasible. And then you can look at it. Yeah, you don't have to look at like, oh, well, this is reparations. No, you can look at it like he's qualified. He's qualified. I do this for these people. I'm going to do this for these people as well. Right. And I think that that's the best way, in my opinion. I want to make sure I say that for the record. I think that's the best way to, to really level the playing field. I mean. Let's just be honest. People who I, I people who are like me who have the educations that I have are making, you know, they come out making eighty, ninety thousand, hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Why didn't I start off making that? I don't know. Because you worked in sports. 
just get it just get it kind of i mean we all know that you only make money if you're on the field there but, yeah exactly <laughs> um no i think that i think that's good i mean that's to me that's true equality and even as a woman i'm sitting here thinking like yep i've always made less than my male counterparts it's mm-hmm. it's a definitely something that i don't know how to change though that's what i don't you know like I feel like it's extreme. Right. I feel like I feel like there are circumstances where you are absolutely right, and then I feel like there are circumstances. And here I go again. I'll My say, goodness, we just we just lost another twenty listeners. Um. So, and then there's the other side where people who who've been in corporations have come to me. I'm gonna be honest with you and say, hey, uh, it looks to me like some of these higher people are trying to be like making sure people know that they're so unracist right. that that they are that they are pushing some black people to the top, sure, which sure. they are, they're qualified and all that stuff. Right. But some of those white people are like, well, wait, wait a second. I feel like I'm, I'm losing opportunity because right. there's a black person. They want to make sure they're in a high position. And that is super extreme. I know. Sure. That is well, let, extreme. Me, I mean, let me just jump in there. It, it's a problem. If it's a black person being pushed, it's not a right. problem when the white person is being pushed. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the issue. No, you're right. You're right. We don't even talk about that. Right. We don't talk right. about the, 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 the son of an entrepreneur of a successful uh-huh. business who's being pushed through and is a complete airhead, doesn't know uh-huh. anything, yes. needs people around right. him yes. to, to make things move, right? Or We don't talk about those things. I mean, you know, it, it is it, it is what it is. If you've ever watched, um, what is it, uh, Hidden Figures, it's about, the, it's about a group of African-American women who basically were responsible for putting Neil Armstrong on the moon. Whoa. So most people don't know that story. I, 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 I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen the movie, but I've read about the story. I know about the story. And I worked with one of the ladies whose mom was one of the hidden figures. Mm-hmm. If you watch the movie, they are, there's a group of women, African-American women, who were responsible for putting Neil Armstrong on the moon. Those women do not get recognized. They do not get acknowledged. And I'm sure that they weren't making the money that they were worth. But if mm-hmm. it wasn't for them... Neil Armstrong would have never been to the moon. So hey, that's crazy. It's it just is it's just a, a fact, man. You know, I mean, it, yeah. look yeah. it up when you get a chance to check out Hidden Figures. Um, will. it will absolutely blow you away if you read about these women. And in the movie, Taraji P. P. Henson is um the lead character. It is a, I, I, it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like I said, it's. It is extreme in both scenarios, so it's it's hard to even say it. I'm like, oh shoot, should I have said that? But but I think you are absolutely right there. Like, first off, when you talked about the 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 rich white air, like, come on, dude, you're absolutely right. There are a bunch of airhead white kids that are just being thrown companies, and then right. like they don't know what to do, right? So I'm dude, I'm totally with you, and and I have to say, and I guess people people could say this is a good or a bad thing, but. I have to say, every time I see a minority <laughs> in a a high level successful position, I don't think it was handed to them, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Every time I see it, I'm like, dude, they battled from behind the race <laughs> and they passed a ton of people because they had that scarcity mindset, like, let's go, let's do this. Absolutely. When some other people get too comfortable, and so like one of my best friends, James, dude, I know this dude's gonna just catapult up his company because mm. he has he incredible has. integrity mm-hmm. he 
He is such a hard worker. He's an amazing human being, mm-hmm. right? I don't care what color his skin is, right? right? I don't care. He deserves to be the CEO of this company someday if Probably. he wants to be, right? Um, but yeah, it, like I said, it's it's extreme in both ways. I think that people being way held back mm-hmm. in certain places. And then I think sometimes, which is hard to say, sometimes it's like, okay, wait, is there this... Well, you're talking, there's definitely a diversity initiative with most companies nowadays where, where I saw it firsthand, where sometimes they like, well, we have no minority, so we have to bring in a minority and that's both good and bad. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure as a minority, even as a female being considered a minority, I don't want to be given the position just to meet a quota. Right. You know, exactly. You're not a minority as female. Yes, you are. No, there are way more females in the world than males. We're considered minorities. No. Yes. I'm, I'm positive. No, well, numbers we're con- do not lie. Okay. What is the, what is the, um, is it affirmative action? Is that what yep. it is? Yep. Mm-hmm. We are included in that. Women yes, are there, because we are. There is a glass ceiling for women. Yes. Well, whatever. You know what I mean. There should not be, but there is, right? Because you look at like sportscasters who are getting paid seven hundred k, and then the women are getting two fifty. You're like, dude, they work the same hours. Uh, it's crazy. I my very first job, I was only fourteen. Mm-hmm. I made this just dates my age. I made five dollars and forty five cents an hour. I found out later my male counterparts who did basically the same thing I did were making like eight bucks an hour. Mm. That's messed wow. up. That's wow. I know. Yeah, I get it. I, I get it. I don't know. So I apologize because I'm not I'm not as up to speed on the on the gender differences. I need to pay more attention. I uh, <laughs> one, one thing at a time here, Cam. One, one thing, thing at, at a time. time. One it's thing at a time. Blue Bear Women, it's coming, you know? Love it. Let's do it. I'll, I'm, I'm it, on. Man. I'm with it. Except for I want to wear the Blue Bear head. Absolutely. And run around town. You got it. <laughs> okay. So obviously we have been all over the place. We've both place. stumbled through our words. I know. I was just trying to poke every elephant. Chris in the was room. trying to. Oh, Chris was always trying to poke. But always, listen, at the dude. end of the day, I think we all have the same thing in common: yes. is that we believe it's a hard issue, not mm-hmm. a race issue, right. and we want to see change. <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm blue over here. Yeah, I want to do this. I want to move forward. I'm not going to hug random people in the store. But if somebody's listening and they're on the fence or they're not very clear, what would you say to them to to tell them like? get off the fence. Yeah. So what I would say is I would say, think about your kids. Um, That oftentimes makes people the most sensitive, whether you are white, black, Asian, Indian, doesn't matter. Think about your kids and think about what this world is going to be like for them in 20 years when they become adults. Um, My fear, one of the things that I would never want, I would never want to see as much as I love being a part of the black community, I would never want to see the black community band together and feel like they are against everybody else, because then we become a target, which makes life harder for my kids in 20 years. And so that is the that is what I say to think about. If we take an extreme view on race in any direction other than equality, we are going to make life hard as hell for our kids. And so, again, that is the decision. That is the deciding factor, in my opinion, is thinking about those little ones who are innocent, who don't have a chance right now or or know what is going on and are looking to us to provide direction, to provide leadership and to provide guidance and to help create a better future for them. Mm. Amen. Boom. Well, thanks for including all the other races, too, because I feel bad. Sometimes I feel bad like it's the way we 
talk or with the media talks, whoever's talking, I don't know who's talking. There's just white that and black. just white yeah. and black. And there's so many others that yep. have to struggle with different things in each of us. And yeah. that's a whole other conversation, Absolutely. but, other conversation. but um, I think that's good because uh, I know some of the questions we ask on our podcast, when we relate it back to the children, our children, people are like, Whoa, that, that changed my mindset a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think just imagining our kids and their future and how they're going to be interacting with different races is such a, I don't know, a good way to. Yes. And I want to be super clear with a comment I made earlier as I'm kind of going back and reflecting <laughs> through all of these things. Like, okay. How, about all how much people are going to hate me? All this stuff. Right. A comment I made earlier about like, we all are in, like we all surround ourselves with the people that we agree with <laughs> primarily. Right. That does not mean that we should not take a stand. That does not mean that we should not, that we should not make it very clear Absolutely. and make it very obvious Absolutely. to make sure that my circle is my circle and should be my circle. Right. So the, what what I'm saying, I am instead of this instead of this being a conversation like okay, uh, let's just go ahead and um, talk about some of the service level stuff. Mm-hmm. We went deep, right? right. We went deep to the point where we either brought people to a point of change or I pissed people off. Right. right. So right. regardless, it doesn't matter. All that matters is we poked the elephant in the room. I asked the questions that were truly on my mind based on my experiences. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to hear from you and my biggest regret as we close this out, cause I know we all have lives to take care of here. Yeah. Um, and kids, my biggest regret is that I feel like personally, I didn't get to listen enough yeah. during this. Um, and so I, I apologize for that. I feel like I was just trying to move this in. You know, don't apologize, man. This is this is this is this is your show, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. I think the great thing is that you always can go back and listen as well. If you if you feel like you missed something, your your responsibility, your job is to poke the bear. That's what you got to do. That's how you get the conversation going. That's how you get the information that you need and that you want and that the, that any of your listeners need the most. You have to poke the bear. And so, you know, I just appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you asking the tough questions. It doesn't I, I am not offended by that. I position myself to where I, I want to be a beacon for change. I want to be one of the reasons why people change their perspective, right? And I love your comment, John. I'm blue because I'm blue too. And that's that's where I live. That's This is where I'm at. I'm not changing anytime soon. So, you know, just continue to do what you guys do, man. I love it. I love I love everything about what you're doing. The hard questions, I, that is, that's what's needed in order to really push this conversation forward. Um, because if everything was surface, you can forget it. This 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 would not even be worth listening to. And any viewer who would hate you or be upset with you is not listening. Gosh, well, thanks, man. That is that is powerful. We we so appreciate you being on the show. Look, tons of people are listening. They're like, yeah, I'm blue too. How do I find more about Cam Satterwhite and Blue Bear? Yeah, so I am on. Instagram and Facebook at Blue Bear, B-L-U-B-A-I-R-E. Also on YouTube at Blue Bear. Just check us out. Um, you know, YouTube, we've been trying to ramp up our Get Off the Fence series. Uh, we call it golf, try to make it cool. Um, but again, you know, we, we're on, on almost all social media platforms. Twitter, we're on, but we're not active. So I would not encourage you to check that out. We cannot keep up with our Twitter uh, either. Yeah, we don't tweet. <laughs> yeah. We don't tweet. 
Well, yeah, mm, that's not us. Your queens look so like ninety nine, isn't it? <laughs> Dating yourself, right? Cam, thanks so much. I know this was not an easy conversation. And like I already said, I know I stumbled through my words, but I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your initiative. And I'm, I mean, if I didn't say it already, I, I stand with you. I stand with you guys. We Absolutely. stand with you and our other brothers and sisters who don't necessarily look like us. So Absolutely. Well, John and Chris, I appreciate both of you guys. It was awesome. Jonna, it was great to be able to connect with you two through our relationship at the Reds. I never thought that something happened so long ago would lead to something that happened today to really help to create change. So I'm, I'm super encouraged by what you guys are doing. Keep up the great work um, and don't ever feel like it's not good enough because you're going to constantly get better every time you do it. So just keep going. Same to you, friend. God works in crazy ways. Absolutely. He sure does. All right. Thanks, Kim. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. As usual, if this episode brought you value, if it opened your eyes in a new way or anything of the sort, go ahead and share it with somebody who might need to hear it. And don't forget to go support Cam and let's help build lives undivided because hashtag I'm blue too.